Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Peter. Uh, we're continuing our series on 2 Peter tonight. Uh, you'll find our reading on page 1018 of the Pew Bibles. We're going to read chapter 1 from verse 3 down to verse 15. And tonight we're going to be concentrating on verses 12 to 15. But we're going to read the wider uh, context just so that we understand what has come before. So 2 Peter chapter 1. Beginning at verse 3, it's page 1018 of the Pew Bibles. And as we read, we remember this is God's word to us. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love." For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall." For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this evening. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Second Peter chapter 1. And we're thinking about verses 12 to 15 together tonight. You'll find it on page 1018 of the Pew Bibles. And as you're turning to that section of the Bible, let's pray for a moment together. Lord, we thank you that through the Lord Jesus, we are more than conquerors and that you are always with us and that you have given us your power by your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you might come among us now as we open the pages of your word. We pray that you would help us to remember all that you've done for us and that we might trust Jesus more fully, or might trust him even for the first time. And we pray these things in his precious name. Amen. Remembering is important. Remembering the simple things in life is important. Remembering the big things in life is important. Remembering is important, but we can easily forget. One of the most human things we can ever do is forget. And what was the last thing you forgot to do? Run the dishwasher, empty the dishwasher, send that text, 
reply to that text. Remembering is important, but we're forgetful. 70 years ago, on the last Saturday morning in January, the MV Princess Victoria left the port of Stranraer in, the southwest, in, in southwest Scotland. As she was heading for Ireland with 179 people on board, but never arrived. The flawed design of the ship meant that the car deck was flooded as ferocious waves pounded against her in the worst storm anyone could remember. Distress messages were sent out, but the confusion of the storm meant that for most of the time, the wrong location was broadcast. Finally able to get their bearings, the radio operator steadied his post, allowing others to escape. He broadcast SOS messages until the very end and was awarded the George Cross following his death. The captain and the ship's officers all went down with the ship. 135 people perished and only 44 survived. The sinking ship is vividly portrayed in the painting by Norman Whitla, which is on the screen. The painting shows lifeboat number four containing women and children about to be dashed against the side of the ship. As a result, only men survived the disaster. Those who lost their lives included the Deputy Prime Minister of Northern Ireland. Although largely forgotten, the Princess Victoria was the titanic of its generation and remains one of the biggest peacetime maritime disasters in British waters. Memorial services have been held in both Scotland and Northern Ireland in the past week and a new exhibition has been unveiled and it tells the story of, of how events unfolded. Remembering is important. Remembering disasters, tragedies and calamities is important. But they soon fade from view, fade from our memories. They affect those who lived through them and who dealt with the consequences. But the majority of us move on. Remembering is important, but we're forgetful. Forgetful about disasters and tragedies and calamities. But we're also forgetful spiritually. The, the Bible puts a lot of emphasis on remembering. The first example I could think of is that bit in the book of Judges. You know at the start of Judges when it talks about how Israel sin and are unfaithful to the Lord. They do what is evil in the sight of the Lord and they abandon him. They don't remember. They forget. And they forget deliberately and knowingly. The, the Bible is full of commands to remember who the Lord is. But we're forgetful. We're forgetful about grace, about mercy, and about holiness. That's why the next part of 2 Peter is very helpful for us. In a word, not even a sentence, 2 Peter 1, 12 to 15, tells us to remember. We're going to tease out what we're to remember in just a moment. But let me remind you, first of all, of the context of this letter. This series is a bit of a slow burn through this lesser-known New Testament letter. We're all familiar in some, to some extent with 1 Peter, but his second letter, well, it's not as well known or not as popular. We've noted already that the tone of this letter is different to the tone of 1 Peter. Peter is sharper, a bit straighter in terms of his delivery, and that's seen again in the section that we're looking at together this evening. Three times in four verses, Peter says that we need to remember. And you can imagine him furiously writing that down or firmly dictating it to his scribe. Make sure you tell them to remember. Now, the pastoral heart behind this somewhat belligerent tone, this somewhat belligerent letter, is that Peter doesn't want his readers to make the same mistakes he did. His deliberate forgetting and denial of Jesus 
It caused him all sorts of difficulties, but he was graciously restored by Jesus. And in the next section, he impresses on his readers the importance of remembering. Remembering what though? Well, he uses the word remember or a word like it three times in four verses. And that means there are three things for us to remember. Peter, first of all, says, remember the life you're called to live. Secondly, he says, remember that you're going to drop into eternity one day. And thirdly, he says, remember what God has given you, given you for life in this world. We're going to take each of those points in turn this evening as we think about these verses together. First of all, then, remember the life you're called to live. Look at what Peter says in verse 12. He writes, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. But verse 12 is the key to the entire is the key verse of the entire letter. It's it's the, the verse, and it's it's the best verse to understanding why Peter is that touch sharper. There's an urgency to what he's writing because he's worried that Christians will forget these qualities. Now, the NIV translates that phrase slightly differently and says these things instead of these qualities. Put together, we can understand that Peter is saying that he wants Christians to remember the doctrines that he has talked about and the qualities that he has mentioned. Now, to understand Peter properly, we need to appreciate that memory was important for Israel as a nation and played an important teaching role. The weekly Sabbath was given to them by God so that they would remember that they were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord had brought them out. There was no danger in the story being lost forever, but it was a weekly duty to bring it to mind so that they would always think about what it meant to be saved. The same was true of the Passover meal. The Israelites were to celebrate it annually so that all the days of their life they might remember their departure from Egypt. In Israel, it was important to go back and teach each other the basic truths of their deliverance. Paul says that his apostolic ministry is to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. When he writes to Timothy, who's dealing with error within his congregation, Paul says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And so Peter picks up this same baton of remembering. He wants those who have trusted in Jesus to remember the life they're called to live. That life will involve believing certain things about Jesus, that he's God, that he's the Christ, that he's the Savior, that he's the Lord. We should always be wary of people who arrive with a, a new or different Christian message. Sometimes it can be very subtle. And there's actually a great temptation for those who teach the Bible because we can so easily be sidetracked because we think that we need to hold people's attention with something new. To those of us who teach the Bible, whether it's me on a Sunday or you in an organization during the week, have to be humble enough to recognize that we're not the creators of the Christian gospel. The vital task before us is to remind people of it. Remembering the life we're called to live also involves living in a Christian way. Notice how Peter uses three phrases when it comes to growing as a Christian in verse 12. First, we came to know, then we came to be firmly established, and now Peter has to remind us. And his aim is to simply keep biblical morality at the forefront of our daily pursuit. Biblical morality in that we believe the right things about Jesus, but also that we live fruitful lives 
that exhibit the qualities that he mentions in verses 5 to 7. Now again, this is poignantly underlined in Peter's own growth as a disciple. He promised faithfully that he would follow Jesus to prison and to death. But Jesus knew him better and said that even he would find it impossible to stay loyal when the Roman troops came. Jesus said that he had prayed for Peter though and promised that when the nightmare was over, Peter was to strengthen the other disciples. The, the, the lesson Peter's applying is from his own experience, and it's this. No matter how close to the Lord we have been as Christians, or how long-standing our Christian commitment has been, or how involved we are in church life, the danger of forgetting and wobbling remains. We should check ourselves regularly for telltale signs. The only way to be sure of not wobbling is to remember. It's difficult to remember in our world today. We're bombarded with distractions. Did you know that the average human attention span is 8.25 seconds? The average human attention span decreased by almost 25% from 2000 to 2015. And humans have shorter attention spans than goldfish. Their attention span is nine seconds. We find it difficult to remember. We'd rather immerse ourselves in things that the Bible says won't last. But Peter says that if you want to stand and not fall like he did, you should remember the life you're called to live. The second thing he says in these verses is, remember that you're going to drop into eternity one day. Let's read verses 13 and 14. Peter says, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. But Peter knows that his death is just around the corner. The description of his death was given to him by Jesus, and it made sure that he would recognize the times, that he would know what lay ahead of him before it actually happened. It's worth refreshing our memory on what Jesus said to Peter about his death. In John 21, 15 to 19, Jesus restores Peter but, but, but towards the end of his restoration, Jesus tells Peter this. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. John adds an explanatory comment after those words. He writes, this, is, this he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. The, the mixture of timing, when you're old, and duress, where you do not want to go, fitted the awful circumstances Peter found himself in. At the time of writing, Nero ruled Rome, and he treated Christians in a particularly brutal way. A church history records that Peter suffered greatly and at length before he was crucified upside down. And after that, he received a simple and secret burial. Peter knows what's ahead. He says that it has been made clear to me. But despite the grisly nature of what he's about to endure, his attitude to his approaching death is really quite remarkable. He talks about his body as a tent that he must put off. It's the same kind of language as Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. It's a mixed picture, tents and clothes. But it's very powerful. Peter is going to die a terrible death, but he talks of his impending death by comparing it to, to striking camp and moving on 
or, or taking off a set of clothes. He's completely calm about what's ahead. It's remarkable. Yet his calmness is mixed with urgency. He wants to make the best use of the time that he has left. He has nothing new to say, but he simply wants his readers to remember the life they're called to live because they too will drop into eternity one day. It's the great precipice we all live on, isn't it? The edge of eternity. There are lots of stories about, hero- about the heroism of those on board the Princess Victoria, but a lesser known story is that of Nancy Bryson, a missionary who, had been co- who has been called the heroine of the Princess Victoria. She was back on furlough from Kenya with her husband and three children and was returning to Northern Ireland after speaking at some meetings in Scotland. According to her daughter, she was one of the bravest women on board who whispered words of comfort to other passengers and led them in singing a hymn. She also tried to help a three-year-old child into one of the lifeboats, but failed to do so, going under the water herself in the process. A poem written about Nancy Bryson puts it like this. The last few hours of her life were, given, were, were gladly given o'er in bringing consolation to hearts now sad and sore. She spoke of Jesus and his love and all his power to save. She told the tale of heaven and home and life beyond the grave. The last few hours of Nancy Bryson's life were just like the last few hours of Peter's, given over to telling and reminding people about Jesus, telling them about his power to save and about the tale of heaven and home and life beyond the grave. Yet so many people live as though eternity will never come. Another lady who was on board the Princess Victoria stands in direct contrast to Nancy Bryson. The the other lady was seen walking around in a fur coat, clutching some bags. Someone told her to forget about them, but she replied and said, this is all the money I have in the world. She was later seen dead in the water, still tightly holding her bags. We have brought nothing into the world and we can't take anything out of it. And that's what Peter's getting at, however subtly. I've quoted J.B. Phillips already in this series, but here's how he translates verses 13 and 14. He says, I consider it my duty as long as I live in the temporary dwelling of this body to stimulate you by these reminders. I know that I shall have to leave this body at very short notice as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. In other words, remember that you're going to drop into eternity one day. Some of us could do with this reminder because we're holding on too tightly to things that we can't take with us, to our careers, to our bank balances, to our land and property portfolios. Some of us could do with this reminder because we're holding on too tightly to things that ultimately won't satisfy us, to our health, to our families, to our children, to our grandchildren. Some of you could do with this reminder because you're not right with God and you've been reminded and reminded and reminded that you need to get right with him, but you're putting it off. Peter lived in the shadow of his own morality. He knew that he would have to leave his tent at very short notice. If you were to drop into eternity tonight, would God accept you into his heaven? On what basis would you argue that he should? These verses and the verses that come before remind you that the only way to gain entry into God's heaven is by trusting in his son. Remember the life you're called to live. 
Remember that you're going to drop into eternity one day. And thirdly, remember what God has given you for life in this world. Look look at what Peter says in verse 15. He says, And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able uh, able at any time to recall or remember these things. Now, what's Peter talking about here? His death is imminent, but after he dies, Christians will be able to recall these things. Now, what's he talking about? Well, it's likely that Peter is referring to his own letter. He's saying, you will be able to recall everything that I've said because you will have this letter. There is another option, though, and it doesn't replace the notion that Peter's talking about this very letter. It sits alongside that thought. Verse 15 is potentially a reference to Mark's gospel. A church tradition says that Mark wrote his gospel based on the memories of Peter. The links between Peter and Mark's gospel are very impressive, especially with some of the miracles. There's a detail that can only have been provided by either an eyewitness or the person directly involved. In that way, we should remember what God has given us for life in this world. We touched on this last time, last week, and we'll come back to it next week. We have our Bibles. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. By his divine power, the Lord has given us the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, and they are a guide and a help for us as we live for Jesus in this broken world. And it's by reading the Bible that we remember who God is, we remember what Jesus has done for us, and we remember how we're to live. To put it another way and to use our points this evening, by reading the Bible, we will remember the life we're called to live. We will live lives that are marked by a distinct Christian morality. By reading the Bible, we will remember that along with everybody else, we're going to drop into eternity one day. And that will therefore shape how we live, but also shape how we talk to people about these things. Remembering is important, but we're forgetful. Peter knows this. He has first-hand experience, and the Lord knows it too. He has given you these verses in the pages of his book so that you would remember the life you're called to live, so that you would remember that you're going to drop into eternity one day, and so that you would remember what God has given you for life in this world. The, The pastoral heart behind the somewhat belligerent tone is that Peter doesn't want his readers to make the same mistakes he did. Remembering is important, but we're forgetful. The good news is that we have a savior who didn't forget. We have a savior who remembered the life that he was called to live, a savior who perfectly and obediently lived out the life he was called to live. The good news is that we have a a savior who died in our place on the cross so that instead of us dropping into a lost eternity, we might enjoy the eternity with him forever. The good news is that this same Savior has given us everything we need to love and follow him. The gift of his spirit, his precious word, direct communion with his father through prayer, his church fellow forgetful followers who need one another to remind each other of these things. Jesus is the Savior who didn't forget. Jesus is the Savior who died in our place. Jesus is the Savior who has given us everything we need. So we should run to him tonight. You should run to him for the first time.
There's one final anecdote from the sinking of the Princess Victoria that I want to finish with. It's perhaps the most tragic anecdote. Many people ended up being killed by the very thing they thought would save them, their life jackets. As with the Titanic, although life jackets are life-saving devices, the life jackets on board were actually one of the main causes of death. Because they, made, because they were made of dense material, jumping overboard from three meters or higher increased the risk of a person breaking their neck upon impact with the water. One of the Princess Victoria's chief survivor, uh, survivors, Chief Cook John McKnight, said that his neck was badly cut by his life jacket when he ended up in the sea. But proper procedure was to hold the cork life jacket down and away from the neck, not easy to remember in the confusion and panic. It's an anecdote that reminds you again of the fact that if you jump into the sea of eternity with holding on to the wrong life jacket, you'll end up perishing. But, but, but if you cling to the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, you will obtain a faith of equal standing. If you remember one thing from this sermon, remember that. Remember these things. What we've talked about tonight is not new. It's not particularly trendy or, or cutting edge. But, but if you remember the life you're called to live, if you remember that you're going to drop into eternity one day, if you remember what God has given you for life in this world, if you remember all of those things and trust in Jesus, it's as Peter has already said, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some things are actually worth forgetting, but that's worth remembering. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Tonight, We thank you that it gives us simple and clear direction as we would live as followers of you. We pray that you would forgive us for times when we've forgotten who you are, forgotten your grace to us in your son, Jesus. We pray that you would help us to remember, to remember and to remember, to remember the life that we're called to live to remember that we're, we're living in this world for just a short period of time before we drop into eternity. And remember that you've given us everything that we need to love you and to follow Jesus. We pray that you would help us this week to remember these things and that we would run to you and trust in you. And we pray for those who are living on the precipice of eternity but haven't remembered and haven't trusted we pray that by your spirit, you might bring them to trust in you for the first time tonight. We pray that your word would linger in our hearts and minds as this day closes and as a new week begins. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.